You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. And Kenzie, the co-hosts of A Scary State Podcast. Each week, we cover a different state in the U.S., and we cover anything from murder mysteries, strange disappearances, paranormal activity, cryptids, or urban legends. So if you're interested in learning about the spooky things in your state, give us a listen. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Stay scary. Stay safe. from the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Before we get into this next episode, I want to tell you a few things. First, I want to let you all know about our Patreon, which launched February 1st. On our Patreon, we will be releasing bonus episodes and exclusive content. Our first episode is up right now, and a preview is up on our podcast platform. We will be sending a KCC sticker to you when you sign up and giving a Patreon shout out as a thank you. We'll also be sending birthday cards as a token of appreciation for joining the Patreon. We also will be sending quarterly gifts to you for your dedication and support to us, as well as doing a quarterly Zoom hangout slash Ask Me Anything session for you to get to know all of us better. We will definitely have more surprises to come, so you don't want to miss out. Second, today's episode looks a little different than what we usually do. We covered a case on August 12, 2021, of the missing and murdered victim, Cherie McGarrow, episode 26 to be exact. What you're getting ready to listen to is an interview with her son, Tony, and her sister, Vicki. They share stories of Cherie as a child growing up, what she was into as a young adult, sweet memories they have of her, the tragedy that struck their family, and some information that may or may not have been made to the public. I want to personally thank Tony and Vicki for giving their time to speak to me. Rehashing a tragedy of this kind can be immensely tough, and they were absolutely wonderful to talk to. Again, if you have any information, no matter how small the detail, please contact the Maryland State Police at 301-398-8101. Remember, you can always remain anonymous. So, without further ado, I bring you the interview regarding the missing and murdered Cherie Magero. I guess I'll, I'll start off with her childhood. What was her childhood like? How was she in school? What were her friends like? Basically, as a child, we had a great childhood. We had great parents. We lived on, on, a, on a great little street with tons of friends. We ice skated all all winter long. We were big into the ice skating, and um, it was good. Uh, we moved from there and went across town to another area, which was good. It was a different school. It was a little tough for both of us, new kids on the block, I guess you'd say. But she got along, had her friends. Um, when she was in high school, she was a, a, a touch overweight. So, unfortunately, you know what that does to kids. But she lost weight. She even went to modeling school after she graduated. And she was a very confident young woman, uh, very long hair. That was one thing about her going through school. She had super long hair down past her waist. 
again, very strong, very bold, very independent person where I was totally opposite of her. So it was kind of, um, you know, total opposites while we were growing up. But yeah, we, she had a great childhood. We both did. So there was no issue there. She was a fun-loving person, uh, very big through her high school. And even after high school, she was always into art, painting, pottery. She loved singing. She was in the chorus and choirs. Like I said, she went to modeling school. She did a little bit of modeling here and there. She was big into life. She she loved, she even went skydiving one time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it. And when we were old enough to work, we both went to work. We both bought our own cars. We had a great life. I, just, I wanted to mention when I spoke with Tony, he brought up her pottery and how your dad still has a bunch of it at, at his house. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that really surprises me, Tony didn't even know that. So there's a lot he doesn't even know. Um, but yeah, he was shocked how much my dad had. And I have a lot of her things too and paintings. But yeah, right. he, he has, a, has a lot of them. Yes, yes, we have them. When did she meet Tony's father? I, you know what? I, I can't remember all that. I think it was barely maybe two years before he was born and he was born in 82. Uh, she, she moved up to Harrisburg right after she graduated from high school, just about. So she moved up there, maybe she when she was 19 or something, and she started a life at this lottery uh, place that she worked. And, um, you know, we got to see her a lot, but not a lot, because she was up in Harrisburg. And somewhere up there, she might have met him somewhere. I don't even remember how she met him. But she would go out with friends and go to parties and things. So somewhere like that, she, she met him. Other than that, right. I really, I really don't know. And they got divorced shortly after they weren't married all that long. Uh, Tony was right. maybe, you know, very, very young. Uh, any issues with that? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, it just seemed they went their own separate ways and Sherry got Tony and there was no issues with that. And, and that's how that went. And then through the, through the lottery, that's when she met Frank, Frank Brown. What was your first reaction uh, with her dating Frank? I mean, did you guys get along? He was, a, he was a fine guy. I mean, he was in Maryland. So how often did I see him? Not often. You know, I can't even count on one hand maybe how many times I met him, but he was a nice guy. Nothing anybody saw strange or whatever. Very polite. Very nice. He was very happy. So did he ever come visit up there or she always came to visit him in Maryland? Well, that's the only way I would have ever met him if he came up here. I never would have went to Maryland to meet him. So, yeah, maybe maybe just a handful of times was he ever up in this area. Right. So I'm guessing they met at some sort of lottery thing because I, I they both worked at one, I'm but not the he, same one. He might have traveled up there or something. Right. To, to the lottery because he was a little, I guess, higher up or something. And my sister was a secretary there. So I'm sure that's where they met. I'm not sure if you know this. I do want to ask because I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. I know lottery, the lottery business is very, very, uh, it can be a very serious business. And I just wasn't sure if them dating, there was like some sort of conflict between the two companies. And I have no clue. Okay. I never heard of, I never heard of anything. I don't, I don't know what position he was or 
what position that would have put her in. I, I have no clue how they came together, if they worked, even worked together. I really don't remember all those details. I just know of him and that he also worked at a lottery. So was their relationship pretty good that you knew of? She was happy. Yeah. She was thinking they were going to be getting engaged the night she was there, which she is not was not engaged to him. And that's what one of these questions are. She never was engaged to him. She was okay, thinking... So Mm -hmm. She she was thinking it was, I don't know where you got that info. Um, she was thinking that night because they were having a dinner party. And that's why she was had dressy clothing. That's why she had special jewelry with her, a few pieces of jewelry in her purse. Um, she, she liked things like that. And so if she was going to get dressed up, she got dressed up. So that's what she was thinking. And it was not um, an engagement party or anything. She was hoping, she was hoping to begin it to get engaged to him. And she was thinking, oh, maybe tonight, maybe tonight. But uh, it was not that night. She was never engaged with Frank Brown. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know where be, that came from. Yeah. Would yeah. it be normal for her to come home, like, when it, well, you know, the night before a work shift? I mean, I saw in an article, if not sure it's true or not. She came home because it was going to be snowing like crazy and she didn't want, she wanted to be, go to work. So of course she left early that night instead of leaving okay. early, early in the morning to go right to work. It was snowing and she wanted to beat the storm home. And that was the reason. Yes. And that's when she okay. called my mother saying, I'm leaving tonight. Be careful and whatever and so forth and so on. And no, you didn't propose and whatever. Uh, so they had a conversation and off she went. And it was right around the, right before she was leaving is when she called her to tell her because my, my mom had Tony overnight. So she left her know that she was leaving early to beat the storm home because it was going to be a big storm. And it was. Right. Your sister and Frank never, there was never any kind of argument. Uh, Tony kind of told me the she was upset with him and that's why she left. But I, I, I clearly, he may not know too much. How, so does, how would sure. he know that? How would he right. know that? <laughs> right. No, that's what no I not that I, not, not that I know of. Um, I'm going to say this boldly. I know over time, my mother came up with things. My mother wanted answers. And I know we actually got into a few arguments because she had one way of thinking. She wanted it to be this person that way. And, and I, I want justice. And even though detectives came with other findings, other things, she felt one way and nobody was going to change her mind. So I'm sure she might've said a few things to Tony, maybe, but, um, you know, over the years, you find out that, okay, I have to broaden my way of thinking about this because of other things I'm being told, but I could point my finger at a few few places or a few people, but for me to condemn one person when I'm hearing other things is tough. So, yeah, Tony and I had a discussion, too, and he even said, too, that he needs to kind of say, I don't know, instead of like, yeah, I think that was it, or I think that was how it could have been. Because there's a lot he doesn't know. He was four years old, and even when he turned 10, do you think we're going to sit him down and tell him 
some brutal details, right? I mean, he was a little boy. So even to this day, he probably, which I talked with him, and there's a lot of things he didn't even know because they never came up. And why would you go to the depth of it? And he knew was told and also articles. There was no reason to go deep into it, which there's some things at his surface that he didn't even know of. So that's a, that's a tough one to say that she was unhappy uh, with him. If they had an argument or something, she didn't leave in haste that night because of an argument. If they had something and she was upset, she was a very bold person. She could have been upset with him because she thought that was going to be the night or something, for all I know, you know. Um, but I don't know right. of any huge argument that made her leave that night. She was coming home to beat the storm. Okay. So if there was a disagreement okay. or something, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't say anything to that. So she might have said to my mother, "No, he did." Okay. And I'm, I'm kind of pissed about it. She, I mean, uh, she could have said something like that to my mom, but I wouldn't say that with a, you know, I don't know. I was not there. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so do you remember where you were when, you know, they found her vehicle? I mean, did they call you? Did they come to Pennsylvania to tell you? No, this was horrible. Okay. My mother got a phone call in the morning saying they found my sister's car and it looked to have been kind of, not I want to say an accident, but something that the car was disabled, but they did not find her. And they had us under the assumption, I left my little babies at home and um, my mom and dad and myself got in the car and drove to Maryland because I even remember taking blankets because we said, oh my God, what if she's disoriented? It looks, they said something about some blood. So, oh, she could have hit her head or her nose. She might be in a hospital and doesn't know who she is or could be wondering. That is our assumption when we got in the car to drive to Maryland to see what was going on, why her car was stranded. When we got there, the street where her car was, which it was a field, a big open field, surrounded like a farmer's field is now with a borderline of big trees behind it or around it and how, you know, farmer's fields are separated sometimes. Deserted road, big old field, both sides of the street are lined with cars and police vehicles. And all this, and we're pulling up going, what? What's going on? There is a detective big old van sitting there and whatever. When we got there, walking by all these gads of people that are standing there on the side of the road, looking out at my sister's car, saying, oh, we're going to sit around here. They said it because she could be in the trunk. She could be here. Oh, there's something's wrong. And we're going, what the heck is everybody talking about? We had no clue there was foul play. But all the people there were lined up the street waiting to see if they were going to pull her out of the trunk. So they whisked us away right away and put us into this big old like police van thing. And then they start telling us some stuff. So that's what we walked into. That's how we were told something was wrong. Oh, that's, oh, I can't imagine. I'm, oh. We were, that's, we, that's... we also pulled out and you look out at the field. Now there's snow on the ground. And it snowed after her car was pulled in there. So there's no tracks, no nothing, just snow. And you see a line of people across this field, hand in hand, 
walking across the field, kicking the snow, and we didn't know, have a clue what was going on. I'll never forget, that's the worst thing I have in my mind, to see this line of people kicking the snow. And there was a, a, somebody on horseback riding around the little bit of the woods, like I was saying, uh, riding around back there to, to find stuff. So at that point, we found out something's really wrong. And that's how we found out. So did they take you somewhere to speak with you or you just got into this van and then that was, that was they, bad. They put us into the van and then from there, I can't, I, you know what I'm trying to remember. I know we didn't stay there, but I know we didn't go to no, you know, barracks or police station or anything. I can't even remember where we went. I remember at one point we did go to Frank Frank's parents' house. I remember that when we were all down there, because um, at that point, which one thing I, I will remark, and this was one thing that after time goes by, you think, why was that? But Frank Brown actually was there at the scene and left for a little bit and came back. Where he went or what or what, nobody ever knows and nobody ever investigated. Um, and that's where my mother put everything into that. He did something. But um, we never figured that out, but he did talk to us. I guess it was all right there. And then after that is when Frank took us to his mom and dad's house, who was closer, but did not take us to his house. We went there one time after all this to his house. And I just remember, because it was way past, and he still had, like, he might have given her flowers. And think the flowers were still in the vase dead and dried up like he didn't touch anything of how she left it when she left that his house that night so i do remember that but um yeah they basically told us most of that and and then put a detective on our case and you probably heard of the the sergeant perot he was the one that was first put on our case he was a a very lovely person um and i can't say that about all the other detectives that took over since him but he was, and I think he truly lived this heart and soul. And when he finally uh, retired, I remember he said this will haunt him because he just could not, he could not solve it. Right. Hey, KCC Pod listeners. Have you heard of FanList? Well, you should. FanList lets us at KCC Pod to create a podcast fan page to engage with all of you in a fun and interactive way. With FanList, we can receive audio messages from our fans, whether it be for listener questions, stories, feedback, or whatever you may like. FanList makes these audio messages public, social, and fun. They teach us at KCC Pod to reward our engaged superfans by incorporating your sound bites into our show. FanList's mission is to be the number one audience engagement platform for podcasters. Their goal is to help us engage with all of you, grow their referrals, and monetize our superfans. So go check us out on FanList. Our link is fanlist.com slash kcccod. We can't wait to interact with all of you. Again, that's fanlist.com slash P-O-D. Go check us out. I 
I know that they found numerous items either that day or, you know, weeks past. Uh, the one thing I did want to bring up, just it kind of baffled me, was when there was like a, it was an article about um, a credit card being used at a Sears store. Yeah. And, and the credit yeah. card was left. Did they ever fingerprint that card? Yes. They, okay, they so I guess nothing. Right, nothing is, is, yeah, but I don't think anything ever came up with that. Um, the other thing about that, I know you had this in your list about that card. Um, it said something, it was left behind because it was maxed out. I don't thoroughly call that. Between my parents and us, we took care of all her death after her death, and I never recall anything like that. From what I remember from that situation and what we were told, the guy trying to use the card was very suspicious. And after somebody was checking on something, he just left it and, and got out of there. I don't ever recall that the card was maxed out. So if that was in an article or something, I'm not, I'm, I don't recall that information. And again, like I said, we took our care of all her debts after her death and all. But I do remember they said the guy was nervous and just left, you know, when they would be checking or doing whatever, because her name was on it. Yeah. You know, her name was on it. This is big news. Um, the guy got nervous and just left and obviously left the card there. He didn't take it on my card back or anything. But that's the only other thing when I saw this. It's like, I don't ever recall that. So where it came from or what article or where you got that from, I'm not sure about that. So, um, which This is also very interesting. You know, speaking with, with you is how, to me... I can only imagine the frustration on your end because it seems like they're printing things that are not necessarily true. And then just, you know, people are getting the wrong impression. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, is there anything that the public doesn't know that maybe you thought to bring up? When you say that, uh, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Um, over the years, we've worked not worked with, but other detectives have been on this case and things they tried to tell us or insinuated about, um, everybody was coming up with their own possibilities. So for me to say things that the public doesn't know, mm -hmm. I don't want to tell lies or anything, um, but they've actually kicked detectives off the case because they were going down the wrong rabbit hole. Um, I had a detective that used to harass me at my place of work, and I'm talking, you know, within months after after this tragedy happened, and he was horrid, telling me, are you sure your sister didn't have a different, a, a second life you don't even know about? Are you sure she wasn't doing this or doing that and all? He was horrible. And they finally oh, took man. him off the case. Yeah. He, oh, it, it was disgusting. And like I said, they took him off the case and because he, he man, felt I'm that, so sorry you were treated that way. Throughout the years, I know it's been a very long time. Has there been any sort of, has detectives come to you and said, hey, maybe we have an answer here or an answer there or seem any optimism at all or any hope or is, have you guys really not oh, had sure. any contact with anyone? Oh, 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 sure. Yes. I was starting to say about, I'm going to say maybe 15 years ago, we were approached by a Sergeant Tina Becker. And she found all kinds of jewelry and from a person and they brought it up to her house to say, we need you to identify this if this is your sister's. And 
seen has any little new thing would open and reopen the case. So we're looking at it, and my first thing is like, none of this is hers, but maybe one is. I want it to be so they open the case, right? Your hope is, oh my gosh, this could be it. Whatever. I'm looking at this going, none of this is hers. None of this is hers. And I remember looking at all the pieces, and maybe there was like six pieces, and I looked at one and said, well, maybe this one, but they're so big. Oh, well, people get things resized and all that. And no matter how old a piece of jewelry is, we still can get DNA from it. So we were hopeful, even though I'm looking at this going, none of this is hers, but okay, I'm going to be hopeful. Maybe I don't know all she had. I pretty well know all her style and her jewelry. But anyway, um, weeks, months, went by. I finally called Tina Becker. And I said, Tina, it's been so long. You said you get back to me. Do you know what my reply was from this detective? You need what? to be patient. We need, you need to be patient. We're watching other hot cases right now. You need to be patient till we get back to you. And I said to her, you're saying what to me? Those are the kind of detectives we had on this case. Wow, that's awful. <sighs> and another guy, my mom was in a rehab place. She had a, had a bad stroke. And Tony told me a detective approached him gave him his card. I have it. I don't even know his name right now. And gave him a card to give to me. He wanted to talk to me. I called that detective four or five times. Never returned my call. So this is how. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah. we, it, it, it's just over and over. And then, then I've actually heard other podcasts, um, Tony said, oh, did you ever hear this one? Did you ever hear that one? Some of the crap they come up with on these podcasts, but they've never approached us or anything. So I guess it's all this hearsay and their own thoughts and their own thinking of how something could go, I guess. I don't know, but you are correct. Getting information from an article and somebody's hearsay, I, I guess, can take it down a different path and a different path. But we don't, yeah, we all don't know, but I could possibly tell you, oh, this is right or this is wrong. I know you lost the box of plaid shirt. Yes, yes, I did. What did, what, what did you hear or did I see your question um, just saying they found the man's shirt? What do you know about that man's shirt? I want to see what you heard or think about that. Uh, the plaid shirt, I stuff that I have read, um, it just said that they found a man's plaid shirt a few miles from where the car was located. And that maybe it had blood on it? Yes. That's, That's when they... Nice. Yes. Um, they feel... I, I don't know if you... I, I'm sure you maybe heard this, but they feel she was struck in the head. Mm-hmm. And from behind. That's, and, and it's... Okay. Since the car did not burn up in the field because it was on fire, so somebody was trying to get rid of any evidence that that car contained. The car went out, did not burn up, and that's the reason why today we know it's a homicide, that it's just not a missing person. And we were told that very boldly. And because things weren't burned up, they had experts come in and even analyze the way the blood was on the car, that they could determine where she was standing, her height where she was standing, um, how she was hit from the back. And they feel that shirt that they found along the road, they might have wrapped her, maybe 
her head or something in it because of the blood. And mm-hmm. that is how we know it was my sister because they did test on the blood or in the shirt. And because of the amount they found on the shirt and in the car, they know of her demise. So that question has been asked to me so many times from people, well, they never found her. How do you know she's dead? Well, I'll tell you why she's dead. Because of all her blood and what else they found on that car. And they found, did, did, did you know they found brain matter as well? Um, I did. I didn't want to say it, you know, just trying to be respectful. You want the truth? That's what happened. And the, they, right. and that's how we found out her demise. And when people would come up and say, but she's just missing. And, um, you know, no, she's gone. She's gone. Like, we grew up with hunters in our families and things. You know, I, I don't know if Frank Brown ever worked bad. I don't know if Mark McDonald ever worked bad. I mean, I don't know. That could have been anything, but. Right. It was a reach. I just didn't know if that if that was connected no, at all, fine. you know. Nope, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Tony did tell me, I'm not sure how he would know or if you if this is true or not, but that in the articles they would never say the item that, you know, struck her, but he said that it was a carjack. It was a tire iron. That's what they're saying. Yes. Okay. I just wonder why they wouldn't tell the public that, you know, that just, that was kind of. I don't know, it's kind of strange. In the very, they they even instructed us not to say certain things, Um, you know, because, oh, we don't, we don't want the public to know just to see if somebody can come up with it because if they come up with what we have and they come up with that, they might be really helpful. But if we just let everybody know it, People are out there for glory and, you know, they're going to, they ride that tail, um, shirt tail. And it's amazing how many people wanting to be the, you know, oh, I'm going to solve it for you. This is what you do, you know, and it's like, no, that has nothing to do with the case. So in the beginning, they really kept the lot hush-hush and then the case goes away. So they never really cleared up and cleaned up anything, nothing. Um, yeah. I was actually I was actually told by the same team that there was a gang in the area and her words a bad gang and they feel they had something to do with it. So I've heard tons of different things. And that at this point in time though, never gave us names, never did it ever make you know, the daily news or, or anything like that, because they really felt it was him because of certain, after they, they used the of DNA, after all those years, they redid it, and they found some other DNA, and when they tested it, it came up with this guy who was in prison and apparently died in prison or passed away. That's all I know. And it's like, what? You're, you're saying you could crack the case, but nobody knows any of this? I never knew the never knew this person's name or whatever, but I was we were told to be very scared of him if he for some reason. Oh my God, as a young woman, I, we were I was scared to death somebody was coming to look for me, but never did I hear a name. Wow, unanswered questions, things that they came to us to approach or to check out, and never no follow up, never no like 
no this isn't or we're still checking nothing they always just left it wide open i can imagine that's extremely frustrating as well impatient you know mm-hmm. so they had their own thoughts and their own avenues they were going down and they approached us with many of them and once had a conclusion um or well, I wanted to thank you so much for coming and on here and talking with me today. I know that I know that was very difficult for you. Yeah, I just I I I want and I hope I gave a bit of her in the beginning that she was a strong, bold, independent person. And um, I'm just we always thought too, if somebody would have approached her, she would have been a fighter. So that's why I remember they said to us too. That and I, I have no clue how this works. How investigators can find out how wins and whatever when there's nothing much to look at, but they investigate things and can tell you things like funding and whatever. But I just can't picture from her not fighting because I know she would have, and that's why I think they always say they think it was someone she knew, and that's one mm-hmm. thing that sticks with me. It was from behind, you know, who was she talking to in front of her? Um, I just can't believe that there was a, a, a struggle. And, and I know they say that, what is it? What, what's the percentage that things like this or something and somebody you know? I know it's very, 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 very high. And the small, small, small percentage is when... Um, and um, I don't, and that's why they were making us feel like this is random. But yet you think, well, what are all these other things? I mean, we still have questions to this day. But never got any type of answers. So, well, it was very nice speaking with you. Um, I do hope that there is some sort of resolution for you guys one day. I know that seems very bleak at the moment, but you know, I do, I do hope for that for you. Yeah, well, it, it's tough. I know I was talking to my father; he's going to turn ninety in another month. He he just can't deal with any of this anymore. So that's a tough one. So I talked a little bit to him because one of the things I really talked to my father about is just like, Dad, I know for a fact Sherry was not engaged. No, she wasn't engaged. So. Um, that's why I really wanted to stress on that one, but um, he's, he's just, oh, I don't know how to even say this nicely, but he has suppressed it to a point that it would rip him apart, but yet if something came up tomorrow that could give him peace, I know he'd be happy with it. And there really was nobody on our side to question it. You know, you go from, is it, is it in them? Is it political? Is it, you know, you come up with all these scenarios. So it could be, you know, five, ten different scenarios you could come up with, but we really don't have any really, what do you want to say, evidence that this is what it is. So, yeah, you can come up with all different scenarios. But, um, but anyway, so hopefully just get out of this. She was a... A, a very vital young woman, strong, bold, independent, very artsy person, loved life. 
hopefully you get something out of this. Um, if there's anything else you need a little hint about or something, you can gladly text me and if you need to talk again, I can do that if you take this about and want to add something or clarify something. I can do that. I just don't want to speculate or give you something that I that I'm not quite sure of. Um, like I said, I know Tony said to me, I guess I shouldn't have said it was maxed out or something like that. I said, no, because things like that. We just want to be right and um, hopefully make the story stronger and more vital. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Vicki. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and please consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find out more about us, the pod, and the cases we cover, or want to suggest a case, please visit us at kccpod.com, or send us an email at keystonecoldcases at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Keystone Cold Cases, and on Instagram and TikTok at KCCPod. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Janiel. Find all of our sources, social info, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music by Darren Makins. Production assistance by Shan. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.